September the 5th, and we're back for another episode of the Gur Talk because Macross Delta, episode 23, aired last night. Otherwise known as We're Going Moya for Mikamon. And to my left here tonight, I have uh, Adrian Lozano. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. There you go. Next to Adrian is uh, the mysterious Venus Going Moya. When did Moy come into this? Yeah, okay. what, what is... <laughs> Didn't you see her cheeks? Oh, we'll get into this. Oh, boy. Glenn's <laughs> seeing more stuff that's not on screen again. Yeah. Uh, it's me, Egan, over here. Hey, and then uh, let's start from the U.S. Uh, this is uh, Moy Mike Goon, all the way from uh, Southern California. See, Mike gets it. Mike gets it. <laughs> nice, nice to have you back, Mike. Uh, from Canberra, we have... Hi, it's Carice again, and this week's episode was Kawa. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Kawa, not Moe. <laughs> you go Moe over the Kawa stuff, man. And uh, from Sydney, we have... Uh, this is Craig, and I don't know what Kawa means, so I'm going to go with Moe, I guess. And uh, yeah. s- speaking of the most Moe and Kawa person we know, um, Renato isn't joining us. This week, unfortunately, he's off being cute and doing cute things. As Gwyn is, Gwyn is actually sure this time that he's not here. We we all double checked. It's not just him making a mistake. Wait, hang on. Let me make sure. Yeah, we've got him blocked on Skype. It's all good. All right, but let's get into this episode, shall we, everyone? Episode twenty-three already. Does it does it seem like we've done this twenty-three times? Well, we haven't all yeah, done it's... it twenty-three times, but. It's you're close. Talking, you're talking about like wearing a disguise, walking through somebody else's planet, trying to get from point A to point B. It does feel like we've done that about 23 times. Encountering the enemy, getting captured, getting... Yeah, okay, I think we've seen this before. Mm. Wow. All right. So much for the small talk. We're, we're, we're getting straight into yeah. it then. And actually, another episode where they talk about rations. That's true. But you know what? Mm-hmm. They did, did they? it really oh. well this time. They did. They did. Uh, Alright, so what are we talking about? Well, episode 23 here, we open up on Windermere. And uh, Delta and uh, Delta Flight and Valkyrie uh, on Windermere. They've uh, landed as well. We saw them uh, have a rather hard landing last at the end of last week's episode. Uh, because the, uh, <clears throat> the girls' shuttle was shot down, they're way off point from where they're supposed to be. Uh, but the mission's still on, they're still heading for Derwent. And uh, the Aerial Knights and everyone else is scouring the countryside for them. And as such, our team is split into three groups. We've got rank. Uh, we've got sorry. We've got uh, ranker. Yes. <laughs> Major spoilers right there. Uh, no. Now that's a spoiler for the ad break. Actually, yeah. we've got uh, Makina, Reina, and Mikamo uh, in one party. Arid and Kaname, the best one trip pairing of the show. And then we have our... Lady is about to pop in right now. <laughs> then we have our regular triangle of Hayate and Mirage and Freya as well. And, uh, yeah, look, I've got to say, this uh, operation was apparently handled, well, prepared a lot better than we thought because everyone's got coats and fake runes and funky-looking bikes, which I've never seen before, which are apparently called commuters. But... Anyways. I thought they were called cyclones. Did, did they transform, Mike? 
I was waiting for that. If they were, they'd be called oh. ride armors. Let's get it right. I for, I forgot about both of those. I I was like, uh, cycling is the common rider's motorcycle. I was like, oh wow, common rider joke. But I now I'm with you again. Sorry. So what do they do while on these bikes, Craig? Tell tell me what happens next. So uh, well, well, we should say it's not. They're not all on bikes. It's only uh, Reno, Bikamo, and and uh, and uh, the girl whose name I can never remember. What is it again, Mike? Makina. Ah, uh, that's Mike. it. Yes, that's right. Sorry. Always good. Yeah. Oh, well, I was <laughs> well, saving it for Mike. That was the joke. Th- that was bizarre. Adrian jumping. In. That's next. I expect Mike to jump in and say Ishtar. <laughs> 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 he can't handle two. But one. um. So so basically, the the plan as outlined by Arid out loud to everyone over the comm systems before telling them to observe radio silence is that they're all going to head to uh, the ruins, I guess the the protoculture ruins on Windermere, and put on a tactical concert, which is still a very funny phrase, uh, which will destroy the. Um, the destroy the ruins, hopefully, and thus end Windermere's ability to control everyone in the sector. So, uh, uh, Reina and Makina and Mikamo, who I guess were the wait, wait, wait. Well, uh, that I sounded guess. to me like you said Makina. I'm like, I think that's our new term. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. But that's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, no. Well, that's the that's the celebrity the celebrity couple name, right? Mikey, no. That's correct. That's that's the portmanteau of the OTP. <laughs> anyway, Craig, you're uh, saying. I guess I guess Mucky Rayner would be the official one, wouldn't no, it? No, the official one we call it Mucky Ray. Mucky Ray, that's better. Um. Uh, oh yeah, so so the teams are divided up as per the end of last week, like you said. So, Arad and Kaname, um, the the love triangle, and um, uh, Maki Narena and Mikamo, and those are the three that are on bikes. I presume they brought them on the shuttle. Mm. I guess, yeah. um, because uh, which so I would assume that at some point, that, like the original plan was, they were all going to use them or something, and then because of the split up, it didn't happen. But um, they also mentioned how you know that the plan's already gone awry because Chuck's been left behind on the other planet. But uh, is anyone else expecting Elysium and Chuck to ride in in the last episode and do some big heroic saving? Um, well, yeah. In regards to Elysium, yes. Chuck? No. Yeah, Elysium. Sorry, what did I say? You didn't, I think he'll be there. I didn't say he'll do much, but I'm sure he'll come. Um, so anyway, we, we jump back and, and forth, mainly between... We may as well actually... Let's get Arid and Arid and Kaname, because they've really only got two scenes. They've got the, the first scene that we were just talking about, where Arid explains the plan to everyone who presumably already knew the plan over the comm system. Uh, and then... We've got them later on. They find, uh, well, they come across one of the old nuns' bases. Uh, and Arad says he wasn't stationed there. So I guess that means that nuns had several. And we know that, well, actually, I was confused about that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, the, 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 one of the multiple nuns' bases that were across the face of the, um, across the place of the planet. Didn't he say the 53rd? I think he said the 53rd aerial tactical wing or something was stationed there. 
Yeah, I didn't. He, he make talks a about note how... of the the battalion name, but yeah, it's an abandoned nuns base. Right, and um, but he he and Konami have gone there to get some supplies and then continue to move on. Uh, and he talks about how the the guys who were there were jerks, but they fought well to the end and didn't make it out of when, uh, presumably during the War of Independence, I guess when Nuns was pulling out, they didn't make it. And, uh, and that's, that that base was in mighty good condition. Yeah, and unguarded, which I was a little bit surprised about, like, especially given that they're looking for... Uh, well, they, do they? I don't think they know specifically that it's Delta Platoon, but they know that someone has landed on the planet, hmm. and uh, you know they're looking for them. You would think that they would at least post guards or watch sentries, maybe put up some cameras, something. I don't know. Uh, they did seem to walk in and out pretty easily, uh, and and that's pretty much all we got, as far as I remember. Those are the only two scenes with Aaron and Konami, uh, unless there's one I'm forgetting. Anyone? Or is that it? I think that's the bulk of it, yeah. Okay. So, uh, the other two groups we, we, we flip between... Um, well, I guess the other one that's... Oh, shit. Something just fell off the shelf behind. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, in my room full of toys, when something falls, you get a bit nervous. I don't know what that was. Anyway, sorry. Um, so, uh, Raina, Makina, and Mikimo, they're riding along, uh, heading... Uh, to the fortress uh, when they they stop for a break at one point under the forest cover. Oh, we should also say Raina is jamming the comm systems for the aerial knights. So she's she's which is why they're having so much trouble locating them. Right. I guess. And she appears to have injured her foot in the uh, the crashed landing. Right, yeah, she's got a she's got a bandage on her foot, which I guess is probably why they're riding the bikes. Um, so they stop, and we get a very different sort of Mikamo. She seems much more timid, much more childlike. I guess now that we know that she's three, she's decided to act a bit more like it. Um, I they 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 do like a little picnic sequence where. We find out that the reason that Mikamo was always leaving was that her food was uh, essentially like her diet was very controlled, and uh, she didn't. But she didn't mind originally because all she wanted to do was sing. But now that she sort of wants to experience things a little bit more, the others sort of push her into trying what looks to be an incredibly gross meal of spiders in oil or sea, something. Sea spiders. Um. But uh, it, it still looked gross. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Eat but... a lot of like chi- Chinese well, food. Don't you guys no, just I... put like some Vegemite on it and it's all okay? Damn straight. <laughs> uh, I hate Vegemite. Oh um, my god! Damn biting words here. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Ooh, just... That is awesome. Yeah. Karish, you hold him down. I'll beat him up. Yes, the room. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> we've got to get rid of this man's passport. He cannot be allowed to remain. <laughs> wow. Um, Craig Craig actually said something I 100% agree with. <laughs> um, I resemble that remark. I mean, resent. Resent that remark. Uh, anyway, so so after... We, oh, and then um, Makina puts a snowball down her back because... 
I don't know. She's a jerk. And uh, well, I, I think I think the point was that they're trying to you know they mentioned that she needs to experience more things because it seems that this extremely confident and overly you know very in control Micklemore that we've seen to date. I mean, she was very confident and in control, but within a we just find out it was within a very narrow slice. I mean, she was supremely confident in her singing, but that was all she knew. And I think, you know, in the realm of singing, she can still be that way or anything she's been trained to do. But now she's being faced with all these things like never having eaten with anyone before, never having really hung out. I mean, you remember how surprised everyone was when she turned up to Freya's birthday party. Uh, And that's becoming, you know, all the more obvious, uh, all the more relevant, I guess, now, because she never hung out with anyone. Everything in her her life was apparently pretty regimented. Uh, I know she was there singing towards the end of it. Was she at Mess's wake on the beach when they were all eating and drinking? I know she was there at the end of it, but was she there for the whole thing? I think she was there for most of it. Yeah, I, I sort of thought she was, but I couldn't remember. Uh, but this side of... And this is what I was referring to when I say go more for Mikamore. She It was extremely cute to the point that even it triggered Makina's <laughs> kawaii response. Like... She reserves this for Regolts, you know, and now she's doing it to Mickmore. <laughs> she's like, oh my god, and she's, she's you know, pushing her cheek, and... It's... I was thinking she was basically treating Mickmore like she treats Reina. Do we have a new triangle here? <laughs> no, I don't think it was in the same sort of romantic way she treats Reina. It was more like the way she treats Freya. As a cute oddity? Yes. <laughs> I just don't know where the word moe is coming from. It's yeah, I don't, I don't think one moe scene in there. No, no, yeah, no I you're I said going moe, as in the feeling you express over a cute thing. You, you read Patrick Galbraith's essay on the topic, or his book, <laughs> which Patrick, you are royalties. Um, also, did we want to backtrack a bit, Craig, and talk about uh, Freya, the goat girl? Well, I was going to... Well, I was going to come back to that, because... The, like thinking about it, we've only really got one more sort of important scene with this trilogy, and then we're kind of done with them too. And then we can get onto the bulk of the episode, which is the other triangle, because we've got. Uh, so ba- sooner, like after the picnic scene, the next time we see them, they're being chased by. Uh, I guess it's Royd and one of the twins. Uh, no, it's. Both the twins. Is it both the twins? Yeah, I was a twins. bit unclear about that. It's both the twins, and then they communicate to Roy that they located them. Right. It was just because Roy was there a second later, and he says something like, I'll go, you guys go after the, actually, the, those two. So I wasn't sure. Yeah. And it's quite a while later. Actually, the very first scene of the episode has to do with that scene. When yeah. it's when it's Fire and the others walking around and no, see the spotlight. No, Heinz, Roy, Heinz. And Keith are... Oh, that part, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. Keith and Roy are in Heinz's chamber, and Heinz basically asks them to do something, and we don't find out what that is until the scenes you're talking about now. Well, hang on, let's let's talk about what the scene was, and then we'll come back to that for a sec. Because so so, uh, they're being chased by the twins. Uh, We see a bunch of um, aerial knight grunt guys uh, using their big cloaks as, like, airfoils. And they drop to the ground and start shooting at uh, at our trio with machine guns. Oh, well, they are the, and... they are the true bird people. It's, it all comes full circle. 
These are the wingsuits. There was a bit of stuff released on them like ages ago. There was like one little magazine clip out. <laughs> so. I, I really dug it, actually. I thought it was a really cool little scene, the way they dropped in. It just reminded real me things. of Transformers 3 and how oh, God. I hated that movie. Uh, oh. Except for the Star Trek uh, Search for Spock kind of memory stuff. But you should, you should never think about Transformers 3. But that's what it is. They have those stupid squirrel like, diver guys. If you say so, I've blo- I've blocked it from my memory. Yeah. Well, in um, Japanese, it is flying squirrel suits. That's what they're called. See, they got it from watching Transformers. <laughs> what about the uh, the American Godzilla, where they all drop out of the clouds? It's kind of like that. Uh, no, they're not using those suits. Just, I just, um, yeah, yeah, I know, but they, I just like I just like that scene better. But anyway, so the the uh, the knights or the the night grunts uh, land on the ground, start shooting at the guys. Um, Mikumo takes them all out in what I'm sure could have been a really well animated sequence, uh, but was instead a really uh, nice series of still images. Um, and meaning that Mikumo you... is a kung fu dandy. Okay, I got feeling for for Renato with the original Macross references. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so so and then Mikumo says, you know, you guys get away, and I'll I'll hold them off. Um, and uh, Reina and Makina take off, and I think that's the last we see of them for the episode. Uh, Mikamo uh, takes off into the trees and is confronted by Royd, who says the um, that Mayan... I don't remember the whole phrase, but it ends in Maya. The words. Or Mayan. Right, the, the words. Natu! Marada! That's it. That... Uh, did, didn't Mikamo said them first at the ruins where she tripped out, right? Right before she went on into the coma? And then Heinz, he s- then, yeah, Heinz, then Mikamo, then oh, Royd right. said, said it, it twice. Yeah. I think yeah, the I king Heinz said it as well. The king and Heinz both said it. Oh, <laughs> did, I don't remember the king saying it. Just as significantly as those words is what he called her. Yeah, the star singer. Well, he, he'd sort of... Uh, he implied that from the last episode, yes, or the, the other episode. Um, yeah, he calls her the star singer, says the words, which causes a reaction in uh, Mukumo, which I wasn't sure if that was... I was unclear as to what the re- reaction was supposed to be. It certainly stops the dead in the tracks. Uh, I thought at first it was going to be like a memory flashback. Then it was sort of a hypnosis thing, but then he... He punches uh, her in the the baby maker. I'm going to punch you in the ovary. That's what I'm going to do. (laughs) Straight shot. Oh, ow. Right to the baby maker. (laughs) The the patented anime uh, one stomach punch and down maneuver. Um, And then that's all we get of them. Well, that's all we get of Mikamo until the very end, where we see that uh, Royd has tied her up in a bondage outfit up in his glasses cave. And uh, is, is that holding what we're her. Out his glasses case. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, it's just Roy's glasses room again. <laughs> I, it doesn't have to be the glasses cave. That was like just that. the first like thing that, that pop, popped into my mind. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Mikamo, who's still unconscious at that point, uh, has been changed into new clothes and is tied up in Roy's personal chambers. Which to me, and this is why I said I want to come back to it a little bit. I. I even if that is what Heinz, I think Heinz was saying Heinz's message to to Keith and Royd was not to kill the others, was yeah. to capture them. I think the Mikamo thing was that's what Royd 
acting on his own again. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. that's I, definitely I, Royd acting on his own. Yeah, I, I don't think Hines said to him, Royd, tie her up and put her in your glasses cave. I, it's not something I think Hines would do. Or bring, or bring her to me or anything like that. Like, I, I, I think the instructions were general and Royd's... His instructions uh, were, you are to capture Mikumo and bring her to me with a ribbon tied to her. That's what he said. <laughs> But, oh, um, that's exactly what he said, kinky little kid. So, so that's where we leave. Uh, that's where we leave Mikamo for the episode, and that brings us back to the big three. So, um, we get uh, scenes of of uh, the uh, the Trinity uh, making their way across uh, the Windermerian landscape. Uh, we learn. We we go through. They they cut across through a cave that. Uh, uh, Raina, uh, not Raina, um, Freya knows, uh, yeah. because we're starting to get close to her. It's interesting because the way that I read it was that it was, um, uh, she said, I think, um, Hayate says, Are we close to your village? And she says, No, but I used to come and play here as a kid. And I'm like, How the hell far did you come to play as a kid? Uh, and then he said, Then he, we find out that this is where nuns' forces used to hang out. Uh, or at least they had a camp there uh, during the the war, I guess, or before the war, the Independence War. That is uh, seven years ago. So when when I just say when she was a kid, but she's only just turned fifteen. When she was a younger kid, um, and then we get a flashback to uh, Macross Frontier, or at least Freya, little kid Freya, doing a uh, a Runka song. And uh, what looks so to she, be Hayate's father in the crowd that, watching. I was going to ask if that's what everyone thought it was. That was my guess, too. They oh. seem to be broke. Yeah, mine, mine as well. They're standing I, outright. Who, uh, that's I think the, that's, the, yeah. Go ahead. that's definitely the hint that they were going after. The um, it, It's because they, they don't... I don't think we've seen Hayate's... Father's face, have we? Right, right's face at all? No. Although they, no. that little sequence in uh, that scene did show us that whoever that was had bluish hair. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Kind of a similar hairstyle yeah. as well, a little more uh, refined. Coming, coming back to, coming back to that. Like I was gonna say, the barracks when they were showing the pictures on the wall at the barracks when um, Arid and Konama were there. Like, I wanted to say, wasn't someone in one of those pictures? Could that have been his dad? So I kept an eye I out, think and I couldn't. I couldn't see yeah. his father in those pictures. But yeah, well, I, I mean, we don't know like what he looks like, right? Yeah. Well, I was looking for people with blue hair with True. a similar haircut to Hayate, and I couldn't see anyone. But and based on the other scene with glasses on, because you can see the frame of. Um, well, I think it was the edge of a glasses frame. At least that's what it looked like. Um, I've got the scene frozen now. It's, it couldn't, might be his hair, because otherwise his ears are a bit weird. But yeah, I, I took it to be his glasses. I actually had this wild thought that, like, we're getting a frontier scene, blue hair, glasses. Is Michael or Michelle Hayate's father? And then I thought about the dates of everything and went, nope, that doesn't work at all. But, uh Yeah. Blue hair glasses. It, it wasn't out of the, wasn't crazy. Well, it was a little crazy. 
But, uh, yeah, I couldn't see... I didn't see anyone who looked like that. And also, I thought the Wright was a part of the same squadron as Arad. Weren't they in the same team? Uh, Arad said that he was a fine pilot and that he'd saved his bacon a couple of times, but... I don't think... It was, yeah, I guess we... Was it explicitly said? I've forgotten. I don't believe it was explicitly said they were in the same. Mm-hmm. Not in any of the volumes we worked on yet. <laughs> All right, well, could go either way. Um, at, at least it certainly implied that... or we, We've further implications that uh, Wright Immelman is the, is the one... To me, that was implying that he's the one who gave Freya the uh, the MP3 player. With all the Earth songs, um, she did say it was given to her by a, by a soldier, by a human yeah, soldier, but, right? Right, but she might not know his name, or right. it was just given to her by someone. Because uh, didn't she said that? Although I guess this was before that. Because she didn't she say something about how she would sing? I think in a different episode, she she sang to her village after the bomber dropped to like cheer them up. Yeah. But this was a different thing to that because well, there the, were UN. The bomb yeah. probably hadn't dropped yet, so this, I guess. Yeah, it hadn't dropped yet. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Um, so the next thing we get of them is that Hayate's gone off to do some scouting, uh, leaving the girls hanging out in, I guess, a giant tree cave. Uh, and we get a sequence of... I don't know. I didn't really like the scene, but the the girls talking about Hayate and um, Mirage saying how Freya's uh, very mature. This is a big return home, uh, but you're, you're managing to stay on point and you trusted Hayate. And Freya's like, "Oh yeah, well you were prepared to shoot him." And Mirage's like, "Well yeah, but I couldn't." Um, and then it, it got to this point where they were both like, "Why do you care?" So much. Why about Hayate? What could it possibly mean? And I was like, "Really? Come on, really?" <laughs> if we, if we, I, I don't mind that no one's going through with the triangle, but can we at least all acknowledge that it exists at this point? Well, but no, I guess the the scene ended up getting destroyed anyway because, with his usual tact and timing, Hayate <laughs> returns. So it's kind of a moot point, I guess. True. But uh, yeah, he he returns back to say that uh, that there's uh, the aerial knights have, if not found them, then are very very close. Um, at which point, Bogue does something useful, which I'm sure shocked everybody, uh, in that he somehow using his rune detects that they're close by. Um, yeah, he I guess he's picking up on. On the emotions or the energy of either Hayate or Freya. Yeah, my uh, my take was that you know Freya was kind of emotionally charged or embarrassed by the talk of Hayate, and that's what Berg picked up on, probably. Yeah, I figured it was probably that. The only other thing I wondered was if it was um, Hayate's necklace. Might have been something that he he picked up on, but I, I figure it could be either or both. <laughs> Um. Uh. So. So. Yeah. Bogue figures out because he says, "I know the stench of that wind," right. and that's why I thought maybe it was Hayate because he's fought against Hayate. Uh, he didn't say. Yeah, he didn't. He oh. just said this wind. Like it's just as in like it's something he recognizes, but it okay. was pretty vague. Um. But so, 
you know, long and short of it is they make a run for it and get cornered because Bogue body surrounds them with well-placed gun pod bullet holes, which is like, well, uh-huh. that was some sharp shooting all around them. You should say that it's, it's uh, Bogue and Herman are the two knights who find them. Herman's the other one with him. Well, because um, they also think Bogue is a loose cannon because Bogue wants to kill them, even though he's under orders to bring them back alive. And that's why Herman actually kind of yells at yo. him. And then Keith shows up, and then they basically got him. Yeah. Uh, and I found it really interesting. So now you've got another scene. Again, echoes of the first time they got captured. You know, again, they're face-to-face, but everyone's a little bit better known to each other at, at this point. And, you know, Roy's identifying everyone. And when he mentions Hayate, of course, with his surname, he, that's immediately recognized by by everyone and Bogue immediately almost loses his shit but I was thinking about it in context and you're like what a gut punch that must be to realize that Hayate this kid who's A shot Bogue down B responsible for Keith's um no that missing eye yeah missing eye yes it was uh it yeah was and um and then now whose father's responsible for everything to just be standing there uh, like, I I couldn't entirely blame Bogue for just wanting to take him out immediately. Especially when we find out about his family history. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, we're always looking at this from the perspective of, of the humans and of Delta Flight and of the non-Windermerians. And, you know, the, the motivations of all of the Windermerian characters you know, have never really been gone into in much depth. But for as much of a dick as Bogue is, with all these things compiled, you can kind of see why he's so angry this time, at least. Yeah, I was going to say, this is this is probably one of Bogue's, if not Bogue's best episode, uh, in the sense that his motivation sort of clicks into place and feels natural, um, whereas often it feels a little bit over the top. Right. Um, whereas this one, I actually felt like he was the only one well, not the only one. Like, well, hang on, let's given well, the situation, right. we're reacting like yeah. he didn't have a, a a motivation. So Hayata's reaction to all this is like, yeah, I know what my father's done, but I don't believe it, or I, I, I well, refuse to believe it unless I see it with my my own eyes. To which, right, well, hang on, let's can we let's. I just want to go back a tiny bit first uh-huh. because we've got another another sort of uh, sort of thing in the Royd is doing his own secret thing. Keith calls him and says, we've caught these, we've caught some of them. How, how are you going? And this is right after he's caught Mikimo. And Roy says, uh, nope, I have no idea. Like, we haven't, I haven't found anyone yet. Uh, you keep a hold of them. I'll join you later. And then the next scene we see is uh, Roy sort of rocking up with, up with them. Uh, and then Freya says, what happened to the, the people in my village? And Herman says, don't worry. We were just checking to see if you were hiding there. They're fine. We haven't done anything to them. Um, and then then we get into the, the stuff with Hyaday saying... Right. And, and Roy is basically... Uh, shows well, up. if you don't... Uh, if you need to see it with your own eyes, then off we go. And they jump into the car let's, let's for a drive, and they go to Carlisle, I believe, is where the uh, where Scarfell is, and um, they show them the you know the big hole in the ground, 
And yeah, this is where it's mentioned uh, a couple of things. First of all, Freya mentions, you know, she's seen it before and the initial connection made by Royd was that, oh, well, you obviously saw it when uh, you you connected with Hines through the ruins. But it's, you know, later on we get another flashback and it, it looks like, you know, Freya certainly saw it as, as we're beginning these small flashbacks the whole series. Like she sees almost a Terminator 2 kind of scene where a couple of bodies yeah. just get completely <laughs> annihilated. Uh, but we also hear Brooke's reaction, which is like, well, you know, my sisters lived around here, and they're, they're all dead. And I was like, yes! And I was watching the show, and I was like, ha The sisters! I can stop watching now, I'm good, I'm good. There will be no more podcasts on, on I like that your reaction was, Brooke's sisters are all dead, and your reaction was, yes! All right, they were all dead. Exactly. I think that's the natural reaction when it comes to Brooke. Uh, um... Yeah. I also forgot we did we did get one more quick scene where we see Makina and Reina talking to Arad and and Kaname and saying looks like they've all been captured and they're heading towards I think they they mention a town uh, and Arad says don't yeah, do it and Arad says don't don't worry for now we'll just stick to the plan and you know don't worry about those guys right. um, so that was the other scene with them I did forget about that right um, so anyway we get Freya. Um, sings. Uh, Hayato says to Freya that uh, she should sing uh, to, I don't know, I guess express her emotions for the people who were lost. Yeah, I mean, she wants Um, to sing and he always tells her, you know, you should just sing. It's what you do best. It's what you're natural at. And she sings and just immediately pisses Berg off again. But no reaction from ever. This is where I was like, I don't understand what was happening with everyone else. Everyone was just standing there. No one really says anything to Bogue. No one really says anything about her singing. Keith, Herman, and Royd all just kind of look on. And I was, I'm, I was a bit... I didn't really get what... What are we supposed to be taking... What are they supposed to be thinking in this scene? Um, I think it's just Bogue's character also, because... You know, he's the one who doesn't control his runes. He's the one who can't control his emotions. I think it's they're giving Bogue his moment that he's deserved since the first episode. Um, they've always, especially yeah. uh, Herman's always been there to basically tell him to back off, to knock it off, to hold, you know, hold back. And where they're at, because they're they're at the foot of the crater, so they're giving him like every right to express himself, and that's all it is. Yo. Um, the uh, Freya says, "Look, I don't know what the truth is, but but you know, I think you're all wrong. I don't think it was Hayato's father who did this. My rune tells me that you're all wrong." And uh, we get the next stage in the um, uh, oh, Mirage backs up and says, "How do you you know? How do you know it's true?" And that all ties and, back to uh, what Mikamor said in the back of the truck last, you know, um, when they were on Voldor, right? What's, what's the truth and, you know, yeah. what is the real me? And I, again, that set of episodes where they were last captured, I felt there were a lot of kind of points that connected directly to this one. Anyway, then we cut to a scene of a uh, dimly lit but a pretty looking uh, VF-22. Because... Um, 
boy, what's his name? Bo basically gets Roy's permission to show him this VF-22 and they see it. And it's um, something that the King Gramia recovered and had repaired after the War of Independence so that they could always remember what, um, what had basically destroyed their planet, in a sense. Um, and they also, Borg also mentions that it's, there's no doubting that it was tied to his father in it because there was a body found in the plane when it was recovered. And um, they don't actually mention, it, he, the way he says it, it doesn't seem like he personally saw it. Um, he pr- probably was, would have been too young, but it seems like someone knew who the person was. So yeah, they're basically saying that was it's confirmation. It was tied to his dad who dropped the bomb. Who set us up the bomb, yeah. And that's basically the end of the episode. I mean, the, the scene with Royd and, and Mikimo was after the credits, but for, for all intents and purposes, that, that ends the episode. Right. Mm. Right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so what do we think? Do we, re- do we still think that it was Hayate's dad? Uh... That's an interesting question. Uh, I think someone I brought up the idea previously that you know it was he was maybe acting under the influence. Other possibility yeah. is that everything's being led on as a red herring. That s- it seems to be hinting that he- he's being planted as the fall guy for what happened there. Be it by that's the, what I think. Yeah, by the uh, new UN or by the, someone in the Windy Million ranks. And we've got a couple of suspects on both sides who could possibly be doing this. Lady M being it, Roy, who knows, who really knows what uh, happened. And there's also that, um, was it episode, when they were back on Ragnar, the um, Nan's Command, they basically mentioned there was something, if something that happened seven years ago went to plan, we wouldn't be dealing with this right now. So that sort of disappeared, and this might be where it comes back up. Let me let me run. I'd forgotten about that, but let let me run this as a as an idea past you guys. What if Nuns had a plan? Like right in when gets in the twenty two with a dimension weapon on board, and the plan was to drop it on I don't know the castle or some other target, and instead, Royd or someone on Royd, Royd we'll say maybe not him directly, but we'll say Royd puts right somehow gets him under the influence of the the mind control and drops it on a place that had because it was there was a nun's didn't we previously know there was a nun's base at that village i thought they said it was well, it was we knew they dropped the bomb there, on the yeah. base right? on, on a base so, but now they're also saying it was a town so right. they drop it on a place that can hurt like galvanize the windermerians into action but also Anger the nuns, people. Angry nuns. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. When Frontier was coming out, I, I, I had a whole joke in my head about how all of the, um, all of the UN forces were the flying nuns, and I just that well, made me laugh. There's a lot. that there's that thing that Renato pointed out before, and I know Adrian knows of it too. But there's a scene in Macross too even, where there's a nun's reception or something going on in the background. Uh, it says, nuns, save the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. But, uh, 
But anyways. Uh, but yeah, so I, so I wonder if, I mean, that kind of fits both theories then. Like, it really was right, but he was under the influence. It was originally a nun's plan that was sort of went off off the rails, which is why, you know, we got the line about if it had gone according to plan. It kind of fits both sides of the story. You know, it, well, nuns had a plan to drop a bomb, but it was circumvented by someone in the Windermere's with an ulterior motive. Hmm. That would narratively fit where we're starting to get to. It could. Mm-hmm. So, Carice, were you going to say something? Nope. Okay. That's a very good Renato impression right there. Um, so, right, sh- shall we, we look at final thoughts then? Because I, I will admit, my take on this episode was I thought it was well-paced. It gave us a lot of information but it didn't feel info-dumpy. I thought it was well-paced. I mean, there wasn't a lot of action, per se, except for Mikkelmo's Kung Fu Dandy, but um, I-, I thought it was a fine episode, but, and again, with this caveat of in the back of my head, I've got the rabbit with the stopwatch saying, I'm late, I'm late! I just I can feel it counting down. Mm. And as an episode, it was fine. In an episode as number 23 of what, we believe is a 26 episode series and not knowing what's to come, it just feels like it should have come sooner, but it was a good episode on. So that was my take on it. I mean, Mike, what did you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I kind of, I mean, pretty much agree with that sentiment Gwen. although like, uh, I'm still, I still, I'm still in the camp of let's, let's just wait and see how it all how it all pans out once it's all over because um <clears throat> our uh, our buddy our buddy uh Gubaba pointed out that this is probably the i mean as we're watching the episodes now this is the last time that pretty much anybody will watch them once a week like how we're watching them now and like Subsequent reviewings will be all, you know, the DVD stuff. Like, so people watch them in bulk. And I think they'll flow much better once, you know, you watch them like two or three in two or three episode chunks, like how the the um, Blu-rays are being released. Right. So, you know, I think that I, I think that, you know, upon subsequent viewings, we'll we'll see that, you know, they all fit together pretty nicely. But, you know, I just don't I, I, I hope that they don't get to the climax and then it's like a really rushed twenty two minutes for the last episode and where they tie everything up in a pretty bow and then that's it. You mean like you know, know, um, cross fronting? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was trying to avoid that. But, <laughs> but you know, as as we got with Frontier, I mean we always have that to look forward to, right? I mean it looks like right. you know, hope I mean uh, with um what was revealed uh, earlier in the week? Um, I think uh, Carice, did you point this out on your blog? Where the um, it was from the uh, the Blu-ray insert where they were talking about uh, it was uh, more discussion about how Delta was originally supposed to be thirteen episodes, and then they decided to make it twenty-six or thirteen episodes in a movie. So yeah. maybe the movie, maybe the movie. So maybe. What they had planned for the movie, they still have planned for the movie, 
And so they're like, hey, let's just stretch out like the in-between part. And so, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe we're the ultimate climax will come in the movie and not in the series. And if they do that, that's something that's been done before, just not in Macross. Uh, you know, Blood, right. Blood Sea did that. Um, think what you may of Blood Sea. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it would be something different. It would break the regular Macross pattern, right, of doing a series, then a, a movie, which uh, changes some things and ups the animation. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just speculating at this point, but... Um, overall, back to the episode, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy the, um, I always like it when you give characters depth and we finally, you know, got some, a little bit of backstory for Bogue that, you know, kind of makes his irrational hatred, uh, valid, um, which which is nice. Um, I, I, I do, (laughs) Macross is kind of notorious for this. Um, they start humanizing somebody, and then that means they're going to die. And so once they started uh, humanizing uh, Mikumo a little more, I'm like, oh, great, they're going to kill her. <laughs> and sure enough, they, she got uh, she got captured. So you know whether that means you know they'll rescue her or she ends up you know sacrificing herself for them, I don't know. But uh, I did like the the way that they were humanizing her more, like making her less of a uh, stone cold, uh, stone cold witch with a capital B, um, you know, and just making it, you know, playing up the fact that she is only three and there's a lot of things that she hasn't experienced. So that was my take. That's my take on the episode. They've certainly taught, like, you know, gone in to the fact that she's only three years old more than I expected them to, you know, what with Hayate's little joke, the other episode, and now with this. Uh, and and Mikamo's yeah. other comments, like I expect that to just be like I'm a clone or I'm I'm manufactured. Actually, I'm not really all that. You know, I was only built or made rather recently, and I thought that would be it. Uh, but I do like the fact they're kind of tying it into some gradual character development. I mean, hasn't it been building for a while though? We had Freya saying in one episode, like she was kind of fluffy, like her. Yeah, <laughs> the feeling for Foldways that she was sensing from Mikumo had become fluffy. Right. Yeah, that was back in the concert, the 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 one with the coin. So six yeah, eight, yeah, I think it was later than that. Was it 17 was or 18? Uh, maybe 16. It was that one anyway. It was the one where... Because it was... It yeah, was 17 around, or 18, right. Yeah, it was after yeah. that concert. Yeah. I think it was during the concert, was it? Because afterwards, it's about to hire... It doesn't matter. It's not important. Oh, yes, fine. it was that episode. <laughs> But, it's uh, somewhere there. When you get a chance to rewatch it, you can get it. <laughs> yes. But so, Carice, did you have any thoughts on the episode overall? How it flowed, or anything um, else? I don't really have much time to sit down and think about this episode. But like, I think I did enjoy it better than the others. I liked what they did with Mikumo, mm-hmm. and overall, in terms of pacing for the entire series, I'd have to agree with Mike that like, I'm I'm willing to just wait and see how it turns out because we don't actually know what the ending of the series is yet. Um, so we kind of have to know that if we want to sort of discuss how the pacing has gone in these last few episodes, although there was still so, there was still that point where it was really slow, but still I'm happy to sit back and just watch it for the moment. Yes, yeah. see, in principle I agree, just in practice... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just until the the series ends once, as Mike says. I think you know once the series is finished and I go back and rewatch it, it'll be fine. But on this weekly schedule, not knowing what's ahead and thinking there's limited time, it it, it is a factor in how I think of each episode this time around. It may not be in the final run. Adrian, anything stand out to you? Um, let's see. <laughs> Your analogy of the, you know, what's the bunny? Oh, the, the rabbit from was it Allison. Alice Wonderland bunny. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm late. I'm late. I late. I don't know where this comes from. You look at look at the episode count of Frontier, which is 25 episodes. Episode 21 mm-hmm. was Blue Ether, which led into Northern Cross into the last two episodes. This was the Northern Cross episode, basically. No, oh, but they still have to put the High School Queen episode in yet. That's oh, they the already thing. did. That was the Machina episode. Uh, not enough. Not enough. There was... <laughs> not enough? Not, not enough. enough. <laughs> I mean, I would have gone... That would have been great. Some more, like, chasing some panties around. Exactly. That would have been great. But... With, with Raina being icons. Yeah. And, and he calls this the Moe episode. Get it? Also, also, jokes aside, but that was way up the front of Frontier, not in the last five. That's why I'm still waiting, Mike. Um, so. Craig. But, oh, okay. I mean, even going back, like, yes, there was a bit of a lull between the birthday episode and to here, but we also didn't get the Haruhi Endless 8 either. That's so true. we don't really have room to complain. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that's kind that's, of a low mark to compare it against. But thank you, Craig. Thank that's you. how I see it because I've seen fans <laughs> go through much worse with other franchises, and usually come out with way less. Where most likely there's going to be some kind of payoff in the end. Hmm. But they've got plenty of time to do it. They've got three episodes. Three more. Three more. Yeah. Frontier was able to do it. Some people don't don't like the ending of Frontier. I don't have a problem with it. And that's why I made the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, for the record, I didn't have a problem with the ending of Frontier. It just felt rushed. And I think that probably was the fact that... I don't know whether it was planned to be 26, but it felt to me rushed. And the, the whole keeping with the 25 gag for the show felt like mm-hmm. they just rushed the ending. But as a standalone episode, it was good. Mm-hmm. I agree. The pacing was well done the animation was fairly decent but again it's a bit of a retread because we've seen them practice makes perfect in the delta world is you keep doing it until you get it right and maybe we won't have to see them infiltrate anymore but um what if the last episode was an everyone infiltrating yet another new planet but no one had been there before what if like like there's a there's a the ruins teleport them to another world which they have to infiltrate? That would be interesting. And the only other thing I walk away from is with the uh, Mickey Mo action scenes, and then you got the I don't know what was up with that like Bolton Seiji Roid moment where he's like three of himself and goes into one. Mm-hmm. Delta would make a great fighting game. Well, they still shot <laughs> Yeah, because you got like Roid, you know. Punching him in the baby maker, you got people wrapped up. It's like a KOF game almost. <laughs> Speaking wow. of which, King of Fighters, 14, you got T Rex. I mean, you got T Rex. You got T Hawk in T-Hawk. it. Oh, come on! It is. Someone needs to make this into a fighting game. You think two D or three D? I'd go two D sprites. It's gonna be two D. 
Because I was going to say, Roy kind of reminds me of the uh, the elder brother in Rival Schools. Yeah. yeah, the guy with the glasses and the white jacket. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Can you imagine Makina in a uh, My Share Nui outfit? Imagine, I think that needs to be done. Yeah. Someone, draw us that, please. Um, was that about it? Oh, I can go on, but I'm going to save everyone. So, yeah. Okay. So, no, no, no. I meant in general, not oh, the fighter. Oh, I, I, mean, I was talking about put somebody in a whip costume. We... Put somebody I've got Ralph. But I digress. Vegan? Oh, no, no. We're going to have the Street Fighter 3. We've got Zhao and Teo that'd be the Street Fighter 3. Kind of street hey, was it the, was it, there is no Street hey, Fighter it, 3. Hey, wasn't Konami dressed like Terry Bogart a few episodes ago? Okay! Oh, she was. With the <laughs> she cap. had the cap. Ah. Yeah. Instead of okay, yeah. well, Kure! She throws wow. the <laughs> Um, Egan, you mentioned something very important about that VF22 to me. I'm not sure how important it is, but <laughs> I'm assuming like just like we were looking at the SDF one, the desktop model that uh, we were seeing on uh, our uh, desk. Because hey, that looks sort of like the Hasagawa. And anyone notice the VF22s? Anyone has the, a wife uh, 21 or VF22 from Yamato? It's like stand, right? It's like. You can tell, hmm, uh, someone, we got, who, who knows how to draw a VF-22? Well, I've got this standing on my desk. Okay, bring it over. And they drew, draw it on there. But yeah, they drew the stand as well as the bow. <laughs> well, like, you know where they got that from. They obviously saw the latest <laughs> panel for the comic book announcement and said, well, hey, if they can draw the official Macross toys, so can we. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just not touching that. Um... Well, they, they put in a little effort because they clearly put it on one of the Bandai DX stands. Uh, so, you know, they, they added their Bandai touch to it's appease a, their it, corporate it monsters. Like a, it is a big, chunky black piece of plastic, including the base, <laughs> the thick base around yeah. the bottom. <laughs> It's, they got it at the year-end Yamato sale. I was like, yeah. Hey. I was like, <laughs> when the Mirans, they yeah. don't have much money to go around, so they had to get there. The only thing that makes me think it wasn't the Yamato toy is it's transformed and there's no gaps, and that that's oh. just impossible with that Yamato toy. Um, so, so, Egan, do you have any thoughts on other thoughts on uh, the episode? On a more serious note, I did like that they acknowledged about Kat, uh, Katzen's passing, and there was a nice moment that uh, Herman with Delta Fly oh, yeah. as well as Freya, like, uh, Herman seems uh, to recognize that the uh, members of Delta Flight rec- a new costume and wanted to know what, what happened to him. And like uh, he imparted, you know, uh, what happened to him afterwards. And um, uh, what was it? Uh, um, Raj was saying yeah, he was a fine warrior. And just, uh, I guess, a little sense of chivalry, like living right. up to the name of the you know, Aerial Knights being some kind of chivalry and knighthood that. Despite the fact they're enemies, kind of like as Cashin pointed out, no, shown when, when uh, we first got to know him really well, that uh, he was not above just uh, being uh, uh, able to talk one on one with the people on the other side of the mm-hmm. enemy battlefront. Yeah. So I like that. You know, just it was a tiny moment, but it was a good character moment for me. Yeah. There was a couple of mana, not really related points I want to mention but before I do that because I know I haven't forgotten Renato because he's not here so Mike what you said previously can I consider basically that your final thoughts this episode yeah I'm good I'm good Um, so most of these points are tangentially related but bear with me 
Something I thought was really fun this episode and was the reason I kind of slipped up and said Ranker earlier was because in the commercial break, there was the newest commercial for Macross Delta Scramble, which comes out next month. And each week, the commercial for this game has a different pair of voice actors in character talking to each other. And this time around, they actually had Megumi Nakajima doing Ranker talking to, to Mikomo. <laughs> And so there was this relatively long conversation, like of them just talking to each other, and I was like, wow, how long has it been since I heard Megumi Nakajima do new lines as Ranker? Because she, she was actually talking to Mikamo, so they couldn't have just reused older lines, right? Um, so I and thought we that actually was really. Have. Uh, thanks to uh, Tamashii Nations and doing their event earlier this year, we got, well, literally, well, the was, crossing of dimensions. It was like last October, wasn't it? It was like oh, a year last ago. last year. Wow. Yeah, That's right. That was the, the announcement of the show. Yeah. Because they, they had the, um, the projected live, and Freya comes in, talks to both of them on stage. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, again, so. I guess that would be the last time I'd heard. So that was a year ago, A year ago. And... Um, you know, given that Megumi's technically retired from singing, at least, it was quite interesting. And uh, speaking of retirements, um, that trailer also showed briefly uh, Milen doing a super attack. And uh, Milen's voice actress, uh, Tomo Sakurai, uh, announced her retirement uh, last Friday on her blog, which was just came out of left field because she's only 44. Yes. Um, Granted, I noted uh, in my in our Macros Thirty podcast back in the day that she sounded almost like a caricature of herself. She wasn't. She was having trouble getting the Milen voice out. But that's not to say she can't do voices. I mean, recently she played. Uh, she was in Carbonelli very briefly as Mume's mother, and you know she can mm. still sing. I've heard her sing twice in the last couple of years, both times with Chie Kaji Ura, uh, Milen's singing voice. And normally she was doing uh, Minmei covers, and I'm of the opinion that a lot of her Minmei covers were closer to the original than, than other artists may be today. So I was really kind of shocked to hear this. Uh, now, there's been quite the outpouring on, on Twitter, of course, me following a bunch of Macross people uh, with fan art and, and, and people expressing their shock. Since Chia Kajiura hasn't retired, per se, it's not like we'll never get another Milan-styled song. But the character's voice has pretty much been silenced, so that was uh, a bit of a shock. Now, speaking of original generation songs, the final point I want to make, and this is pure speculation which will lead nowhere, but its I've heard so many people mention it, it was hilarious, I want to bring it up. Mari Ijima, Minmei herself, posted on her Facebook page last week. Uh, she was in Tokyo this weekend, because she lives in LA, for, uh, for her annual concert she does once a year. And she mentioned that she had done a recording session, session 
with, I believe it was Yasunori Honda, so the Macross sound director. She said, today, I was a voice actress for a change, as opposed to just singing. <clears throat> to which a bunch of people were like, whoa, Lady M? Lady M? Um, <laughs> if I had to make a guess, I would say, well, they need some Minmei lines for the uh, for Macross Delta Scramble, because Minmei is confirmed as being in the game. Or all this could be nothing at all. Uh, it... it but uh, the timing just seemed very uh, telling and very interesting. But uh, for everyone claiming she could be Lady M, I'm, I'm not going to make a guess one way or the other, but I just wanted, wanted to point out that there's more than one product coming out that uh, she could be involved with. Can I, yeah, can I, I, can I do my final thoughts? Sure, go ahead, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I, Renato? Haven't Jeez, you man. talked enough this episode? Never. Um, <laughs> No, I, I actually, I, I don't have a ton to say anyway. I, I think Wynn and you guys all summed it up pretty well. Like, I thought this was a fine episode. I really liked it. Um, uh, with, you know, minor, like, I actually kind of wish we'd actually seen Mikamo do some fighting rather than just still shots. Um, but, uh, like, a, few, a couple of you guys said, like, it's coming... It's it's a little after after the slowdown we got. It's a little late in the game for for some of this. I feel um, I'm not. I, I feel like I would have felt it a bit better. I would have enjoyed it a little bit more earlier on in the in the series. But um, that said, overall, uh, it was a good episode. We are three episodes away from the end. This this time over in Frontier, I believe the fourth to last episode was the one where the Frontier uh, where the quarter goes rogue and leaves the fleet so which i remember being a much more interesting and exciting episode no that's but, northern cross that's the third to last episode oh okay i thought that was a full oh, there you go um but still it's a uh yeah we're, we're coming in on the end i hope i hope they land it uh i think this is going to be an interesting series to rewatch uh all the way through uh, like when once we have all the information, I think it's going to be interesting to do from start to finish. And I'm also, I'm wondering if we're going to get a movie like a follow-on movie rather than a a remake type movie. It just, I feel like we've got a lot of story and not a lot of time to tell it. They can uh, do even Frontier, if like Frontier, like um, we can have both. Because we well, Frontier kind of retold it though. Retold it, and then uh, a brand new movie after that. So there could be a possibility of that. Mm, true. Is is it wrong that one of the things I'm most anticipating about the final episode will be whether or not they announce a movie after the credits? Everyone's expecting when, it, yeah. But didn't, when did they announce the movie for Frontier? That was a while after the show, wasn't it? That was on the last episode. No, it was the last episode. Oh, really? I mean, it I was a the, fair way off. Came out way later. Oh, okay, maybe that's why... I, uh, a couple of us went to the very first concert not the upcoming one that we're having this month but the very first con- mini live concert oh, yeah. and the announcer was like oh let's talk about the, the upcoming movie ed- wait th- I-, I didn't say movie edition I meant something else <laughs> yeah. so I was like oh and, really and the audience caught it oh. yeah everyone actually started you know calling out about it yeah so uh, of co- you know, that was probably a completely innocent mistake uh, sure. on announcing yeah. that part <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there are suspicions because for the radio show, I like a few episodes ago, they changed the radio show corners. And if the radio shows normally they end straight after the series ends, why would you change it a few episodes before the end? 
Mm. Right, that's another thing to consider. Like, I, I don't know whether it means the show will continue. Um, it could continue just until the Blu-rays come out. But well, that's, wow, that that means it was a while. Wow, it was interesting. Mike, Mike said earlier, like there the, was the you know the original plan was thirteen episodes in a movie, and was this like a fill-in to get us to the movie? I I always felt. Like originally, my thought was that this was like the move. The second half was the movie script stretched out. I hadn't really thought about it the way that Mike put it. And that's that's an interesting idea that this was like an extended filler before the the big finale movie. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how. I don't even know how I feel about that. I mean, it'd be great to have more macros, but I don't know how I feel about the way that that played out. So mm. yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here, but. Uh, this episode, though, I thought was a pretty solid episode overall. I don't know what franchise actually does a movie that goes directly after the last episode. Because most franchises, they do a movie that's almost like a sub-episode that has entirely brand new characters that are throwaways. You know, or um, you have to redo it so you can get a new ending. So well, I, I don't mean, really know any anime that has well, gone from the last episode into a movie. The only one I can think of was, as I said, Blood Blood Sea. That went. So. Yeah, the the actual ending of the TV series was the setup for the movie, yeah. which was the real ending. But that is oh, not another one. That's an exception. That is yeah. not common. That is not. That is. I not think the there's term. another one. There's a Kyoto anime series that does it. Yeah, it's um. It's definitely the exception. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it is the exception. exception. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing that and Gwen and I wrestle with this all the time. It's Western thinking of how people kind of get their hopes up on what's going to happen based on how they do it back home, opposed to how it is here. And yeah, well, there's I mean, exceptions well, to the rule, but sort of, sort even of, when it's done, it's not usually done well, anyways. Sword Art's got a movie coming out that's set after the series. I think uh, but so, I mean, but sort of finished. Is yeah. I talk about is how usually oh. even if they have a movie plan or they do a movie afterwards, the TV series is still a self-contained story mm. that has an ending mm. that you can enjoy. Yeah. And yeah. if there's a movie, it's a usually a separate plot that uh, can be taken with or without the TV series. True. Yeah, yeah that's true. Mm. Oh well, well or, I guess we'll. Well, you have like. We'll you know, know in a few to, weeks. <laughs> the end to Nadia, or the the, the Nadia, but movie was it that came out? It was terrible. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> after that, basically. You, you are you are correct, Craig. I mean, how odd does it feel that this is all going to be over in three weeks? Like by the end of this month, you know. There's, I mean, uh, and within that time, we have uh, a Wild Curie concert to go yet. Yeah. A Wild Curie concert. There's a baseball game, possibly. Uh, there's a talk Macross, show. There's a tension signing. There's a... yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Well, Shadow Macross was announced. It starts on the 13th, and as a part of that, there'll be a, a limited signing for tensions. I just realized it sounds like we're gloating over here. We're not. We're just. Oh, saying. this is. I mean, we have not. This is pretty much what Frontier was like after the series, more yeah. like when the movies were yeah. were going. You know, there was this kind of stuff going every Like a steady stream of things happening to keep the excitement going right. after the series. Yeah. During Frontier's broadcast, the biggest promotion was a week-long, two-week-long promotion at a Donso Cafe, where if you bought, like... 
Alto theme drinks, you got a coaster. Hmm. And if you spent 3,000 yen, you got a Macross glass. Right. Yay! Well, yeah. But I mean, this is coming This is coming off the success of Frontier. Yeah. Like, well, you, you wouldn't have gotten the, this hype on Delta had Frontier not done the business that it did. Uh, He's been listening. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you, Greg. <laughs> not at all. Um, I pay attention. I pay attention. I, I guess the point being that, you know, when I look at the popularity of, of Macross, I do make the, the mistake of comparing it to the peak of Frontier's popularity, which was far after the TV series. Um, and while it seems like, you know, we're hitting September, it's like, well, the the series is wrapping up and it's only now we're finally getting these concerts. It's like, well, no, we're getting them still sooner than we've gone for Frontier. Um, all this, we do have a lot happening now considering we are only at, you know, we are at the end of the series. Normally it would be months afterwards or when the first movie comes out. And it is interesting that Frontier's popularity really peaked when there was no TV series being broadcast and the movies were pretty much done. But then you had like the, the cafe and things like that. But uh, but anyways, uh, final point I will just mention that I thought was humorous, given how they're trying to humanize Mikumo in this episode. In the latest manga, um, I as I've said before, I've only been following Macross E, which is set five years before Delta. But the most recent issues of both the straight comic adaptation of the series and the spin-off with, with Freya, uh, both of those had covers this month. And so I bought them just to see where they're at in their respective storylines. And both are at the point where they're adapting parts of the TV series. But in the Freya one, there's a scene where she decides, she imagines what she thinks Mikamal's apartment must be like, how she must be living this gorgeous life, and she decides to follow her after practice to see where she lives. And Mikumo is walking around for hours, just checking stuff out, hanging around, having some coffee, and to the point that um, she busts Freya following her, because Freya gets so tired, she gets sloppy, and uh, Mikumo just says, you know, why are you following me? And if you have time to follow me, that's time you should have been using practicing, and if you're not going to practice, we have no need for you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, it was, um, it was just funny that, uh, that should happen in the manga, where it seems like they're trying to show more about Mikamo's past, but they're kind of skirting the issue. And then here, in this episode, we have a lot more humanization of the character. But anyways, I think that's about it for this episode, guys. Only three more left. Uh, in the meantime, where hey, can everyone be found? Yes, Mike. Hold on, Gwen. One second. I, so, I uh, a couple of... Uh... <laughs> What's that? What am I going to say? You're going to ask about the title for the next episode. <laughs> I was going to say that, but before that, I just wanted to uh, let's uh, do a little live interaction here just because I got a tweet right before we started casting. And uh, I, this guy probably has no idea that we're doing the podcast right now, but I figure I'll just answer his question. This is uh, from our friend uh, on Twitter, at Darth Sith Revan. He just had a question. He said, here's a question for the podcast. In this episode of Delta, did anyone mention if the pilot flew them there to Windermere, I'm assuming? Is there any mention if the pilots that flew them there are dead? <laughs> I was wondering about the, the shuttle. Is it AI piloted? Is it, there's, 
two, and there's a body still somewhere on the shuttle there, or who knows what happened. That's what did because all this time there was, you know, we never knew that if there was any pilot on the shuttle. Is there a pilot? I don't think we've, we've never really s- talked about the pilot. Um, I'd assume that maybe they're staying with the shuttle, which is camouflaged away, wouldn't they? No, the shuttle crashed. I was just yeah. That since we've never had heard them mention that maybe it was AI piloted. That no, there there is no pilot on that shuttle. I doubt it because it's a shuttle that has to go into battle at the same time with dropping them off. All right. And on a side note. Not really related, but kind of just one of those things out there. It's two years ago, or was it three years ago, uh, we took Tengen to the Miramar Air Base to oh, see yeah. the Blue Angels. Right. And I was always wondering if that shuttle was came from there, because the Blue Angels, they have the big plane called Fat Albert. That's right. That carries the team. Oh, uh, okay. So, I've... I've and that the people who run Fat Albert are considered as just as much a valuable member as the other people who are pli- uh, piloting the F-18s. Yeah. F-18s. So that plane actually does represent the team as a whole. Hmm. Yeah. So I, even I've always kind of in the back of my head thought about the idea of that plane because you have to have a reason to get them there, but it's kind of there at the same so, time. So following that logic, there's a Chogokin coming. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> of that nondescript look. Uh, yeah, it doesn't transform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it suddenly transforms. That would be awesome. Or who, yeah, it could be a, <laughs> a monster that comes out of that. Or, hey, who knows, maybe Lady M's the pilot. Right. Well, if it was a monster, it just makes you think, well, where were the girls in the back this whole time when those cannons go in there? You remember the Project Lady Halo M. when they had the transforming robot in there? And then when you see, in, no, after it transforms, you see inside, the cockpit also transforms. So the pilot is doing this weird uh, gyrate, no, gymnastics to fit inside the contra- contorted cockpit. So Lady M's in there, and the, all the different Valkyries are in you know, uh, mental yoga gymnastics. To M- maybe Murray was just—it's like Knight Rider, and Murray was doing the computerized voice for the uh, for the shuttle. <laughs> As I say, Lady M is an AI, and she controls the shuttle, and she's which essentially makes it the first Transformer in Macros, which brings us all the way around to Adrian talking about Transformers Three at the start. So it turns into a train? <laughs> Astral <laughs> train. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, following up, uh, Mike, thank you for that question. Was that was that the bulk of it? Yeah, that was it. That was from at Darth Sith Revan. So there you go. Thank you. Inter- at, uh, interaction for you. Yeah, no, and we must thank you for completely derailing us at the last <laughs> minute. Um <laughs> Let's talk episode titles. Egan, what's the next episode called? Do we know? Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one is called Setsumei Requiem, which I guess you can just... Uh, a Requiem at the last dying breath kind of thing. No, no, no. Of, Hold up. So you, this you one was called... to something that sounds... Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this one was called Requiem. The next one is Judgment. Setsumei yeah. oh, Judgment. Right. You want to... Okay, yeah. <laughs> so this one was... Uh, what was the title of this one in Japanese? I know it's like—is it scarred or something like that? I'm not. Sankon, no. Scarred uh, Requiem. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. I got the two mixed up. Yeah. So yeah. the next one is called Setsume Judgment. So Judgment at uh, the Last Dying Breath. Well, they said they said something about 
um, I can't remember if it was Keith or Royd said that they wanted uh, Heinz wanted to put them on trial for their crimes. So judgment trial kind of fits. So are we gonna hear from someone just before they give their last dying breath? Mm. That's what the preview looked uh, like. You know what will happen? Chuck's sister will pop up and then die again. <laughs> I blame all of you. <laughs> oh dear. Alright, alright. So so Mike, also remind us where people can find you. Uh you can find me on Twitter at Mike in Redlands and next week I will be at Mike in Tokyo. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Yeah, we'll probably be doing a on the spot. Uh, cast probably immediately post Royal Curie concert if things go <clears throat> and uh, let's mix this up Adrian where can people find you you can find me at, at giant robot on twitter well I'll be probably having to take a bunch of pictures to put up of Mike doing some really stupid stuff uh, yeah that sounds about par for the course uh, Egan the Mysterious Venus can be found here on the speaker podcast Gertalk and Craig, where can people find you? Over on the Repack Podcast, uh, the Reanimated Podcast, and uh, you can catch me on Twitter at the Screamman. Carice? Yeah, you can also catch me on Twitter at Carice67. Um, and I've also got a blog, but I'll post all the links on there so you can just find me on Twitter. Okay. This, as always, is your host, Jim Campbell. Uh, you can find me at uh, Gwyn Campbell, one word, capital G, capital C, on Twitter. Or you can email the podcast at speakerpod at gmail.com. And as I meant to say at the beginning of the cast, uh, we should be putting this in the beginning from now. A uh, quick disclaimer that this cast is the personal opinions of all involved and does not uh, reflect <coughs> the opinions of Creative Sphere. Uh, the company subtitling the uh, the Macross Delta Blu-rays. And on that note, I just want to say that Yamato 2 2202 got announced today. I'm hyped for that. And I'm recording this when I could be playing Battlefield 1, which is what I'm going to go and do now. So until next week, episode 24, this is the Gertalk folding out. <laughs> <laughs>